History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it, it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25 year old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're chatting with Paul Gibbs. He's the founder of the Pays Movement around the world. He's a pastor, an author, and he was out in Australia recently. It's great to catch up with him today. Welcome along, mate. Tell us a bit of your background. Where were you born and raised? Hi, Matt. Um, well, I was born in England, raised uh, in Manchester. Um, so, yeah, I'm, uh, that's maybe why you can recognise the accents a little bit different from your beautiful Australian accents. <laughs> awesome, mate. And tell us a bit about your, your upbringing. Did you have a religious upbringing? How did you come to Christ? Yeah, no, I didn't have a religious upbringing. I was born into a great family, but we were not religious. Pretty um, secular, really. Um, but I was born with asthma and eczema, and um, my eczema became very, very bad when I was 13 years old. It became septic, which meant I had to lie in a bath at night so that when my bandages came off, my skin wouldn't peel off. Um, but around that time, there was a Christian in my school, a teacher who advertised I guess what we would call a tent crusade. And there were rumors that young people were going and, you know, they were seeing some strange things, people praying in a tent and people worshiping God. And some of them had their hands lifted up. So there was a lot of people coming back to my school kind of laughing about this, but at the same time saying, well, we think we saw people get healed, which was, you know, crazy. And then one of my friends said, Paul, you, you should go because you're a bit like a cripple. I went, and on the last night of the crusade, I gave my life to Jesus. I never got prayed for because I was um, being led to Jesus when they did the kind of prayer line. Um, but I went, uh, got plugged into a church, and the first message I heard involved uh, the fact that I didn't need to pray to a priest. I could pray directly to God. And so I prayed, and um, incredibly, within just over a week, not only had the septic part of my eczema gone, my entire eczema disappeared, and it was amazing. It was, I always say to people, it was good news and bad news. It was good news because I thought, well, God is real, uh, the Bible is true, and heaven's a reality. And I thought, it's, it's bad news because the devil's real, the Bible is true, and hell's a reality, and I need to tell people about this. So that's what happened. That was a week before my 14th birthday, and most of my life since then, I've been trying to tell people about Jesus, really. And did everyone notice a big change in your life after that? Probably not at that age because I was still a young young boy. I wasn't particularly a, a bad lad, so it wasn't a big contrast. They, they, but I was well known in my school. You know, I my nickname was Christian because <laughs> there weren't <laughs> many Christians in my school. So um, we had two campuses, and when I walked into what was called a lower school, just the kids in the playground would just shout out Christian. But that was partly because. A couple of teachers used to tease me for my face. And so the kids just kind of carried on with it, I guess. So I don't think they saw a change, but they knew who I was and they knew what I stood for, I guess. And I know you ended up being a youth leader for a while. And I remember you shared the story that the church uh, nearby didn't have a youth leader. So your pastor actually paid you to go and be a youth leader in another church just because he was kingdom-minded. What a, what a great principle, hey? 
Absolutely. I think if, if every leader had that principle, we would see revival. Um, I think if, if our priority was not our ministry and our priority was our mission, then I think that's what we would see incredible things happen. So, But that's exactly right. There was a church down the road, had a great opportunity that came to them to reach some young people. They had no youth pastors. So my youth pastor, sorry, my pastor said, well, we'll pay Paul for a couple of weeks. We went well and... So then they said, well, we've got this, you know, we've suddenly got this youth group, but nobody's to lead it. So my pastor said, well, we'll, we'll pay Paul. He can, he can come for a whole year. And so I was full time for the church working in schools, but my youth ministry uh, was with another church to help them. And at one point, our church struggled. We had a couple of people, I think, who had some issues with their health, but at no point did my pastor bring me back. He, my, my pastor was, he was just, I mean, you know, he loved our church, but he loved the kingdom even more, I guess. And then tell us a bit about uh, your early career. What kind of work did you do uh, other than, you know, being in, in ministry? Did you, did you get a regular job at one stage? Or? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of kids my age, I was, I think I've, I've had a job since I was 12 years old, you know, part-time job. I started off doing a little paper round or leaflet round. There was a golf caddy for a couple of years. And then I worked in a superstore. And around the time I was leaving school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so um, somebody from the superstore said, well, we've got a, a management training scheme. So I did that. And I ended up just working in retail management for about six years. You know, I got asked to kind of go for promotions, but I just I kind of knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I, even then, I didn't know what I wanted to do. It wasn't until I did a, a mission trip. And um, at that point, I thought, this is what I want to do. Um, so, yeah, six years of retail management before I kind of, you know, went into, you know, what people call full-time ministry, I guess. I thought I was going to be a missionary, um, and I went to train a few months, and then God very clearly told me to, at the end of the course, go back to Manchester. And when I got back to Manchester, there were all sorts of opportunities opening up for me to go into local schools to assist uh, teachers. And it's a long story, which I won't go into, but eventually that led to me um, starting a, a schools ministry, and of course now that's all over the world. Well, I'm so impressed, uh, and actually, when you preached at my church recently, you brought a bunch of the students with you, and I got to meet these these young students who were fired up. They're getting mentored, and they're getting trained up and equipped in ministry. Uh, I love the fact that you're raising up the next generation. Uh, for those who don't know what the PACE movement is, tell us all the PACE movement. Tell us all about it. Yeah, well, we're basically a missions organisation, so we help uh, churches, local churches, to reach their community. We do that through training templates and teams. So you're referring to the team. So we give young adults a, a mission year or gap year, whatever you want to call it. It's a free or subsidized mission year. So their training is provided for free. Uh, their accommodation is provided for free. Uh, most of their meals are provided for free and they join us for a year. We put them on a team. We place that team in a church for at least a year, usually longer. And they act as a relational bridge between the school and youth communities, um, assisting, you know, sometimes they'll go in and assist in schools where possible uh, and reach out to young people in lots of different ways. So it started in Manchester in 1992, and 30 years later we're in um, 20 nations from Ireland to Islamabad in um, Pakistan. It's uh, amazing, really. It's incredible what God's done, I think. It's a wonderful ministry, and uh, when I heard you speak recently, you shared a funny story about a young guy from India who was given a wife uh, because of the ministry. Oh, you okay. got to share that story. 
Yeah, yeah, you could have stole my punchline. <laughs> but yeah, exactly that. So, so he went to England um, from India, trained, and um, yeah, he, he thought, because we teach a different kind of methodology from at least what I was raised with and from what most churches do. We, we have a different kind of methodology for Bible study and for evangelism, which has really been worked out on the streets and schools of Manchester, really, and, and over the years. So, so we trained him in that, and he thought, this is great. I want to do this back in Chennai, India. He went back to Chennai. Um, and his pastor initially said, no, that's just an American thing. It's a, an English thing. Switch, um, Clem, who's the young man, said, no, no, it's a Jesus thing. So to his credit, his pastor said, well, I'll give you six months to try this out. And it went so well with the young people there that, yes, he gave him a wife, literally. So they have an arranged marriage. <laughs> and his wife, who's a beautiful lady called Hanani, so Clem and Hanani now lead pays in um, Chennai. So they have the teams that, that come on pays. Also, they have they work with Bible colleges. So there are Bible colleges who put their last year of students into pays um, to have this practical training in this different kind of methodology that we use. Mm. Wonderful story. And, you know, pays is all over the world. You know, I can see the list here on the website, you know, Germany, Ghana, Brazil, India, Pakistan, Kenya, you know, all over the world. Uh, so tell us about Australia. So you were out here recently. Uh, what was the message you were bringing yeah. to our nation? Well, I, I um, the kind of arrowhead, if you like, of our, our ministry, our message is this, this concept that I call it kingdom centric. So my personal opinion is there are kind of two versions of Christianity and there always have been. Um, the way I phrase it is there's Christian centric where we pursue our vision and we do it God's way so that God gives us what we want. And then there's kingdom centric where we pursue God's kingdom, God's way. So we give him what he wants. And I believe that's the prism through which everything else we do filters. So why we go to church why we pray, how we pray, what we pray for, um, the way we view righteousness, uh, even the way we view the gospel. So I would say, and I'm, I'm going around churches all the time saying, please stop preaching that Jesus came to rescue you. Um, albeit it's true, ultimately Jesus came to not simply rescue you, but recruit you. And I think that makes a big difference. If people come to the Lord on the premise of, I've come to Jesus, um, I've been recruited by him for his purposes. Um, I think that, that just shifts um, everything. Um, and, and I think that's why when people meet the guys from Pays, even though they're young and you know, many of them have all sorts of flaws, people see that passion in them. And I think that stems from this more kingdom-centric gospel, this kingdom-centric Christianity that we teach. Uh, and as far as Pays in Australia, yes, we... Uh, Pre-COVID, we were growing very quickly. We had teams in lots of churches, um, particularly in Queensland, and um, it was growing quite quickly. And then COVID hit, so we're kind of rebuilding now. We have a team in Queensland in a couple of churches. We have a team in Wollongong in New South Wales. Uh, we're looking for a, a national director. We're hoping to appoint a national director soon. And, uh, yeah, we're looking for churches that want teams, and we're especially looking for Australians and New Zealanders who would be interested in enjoying pays doing this mission year. Maybe there are parents out there who are listening to this and they've got an 18, 19, 20-year-old 20, 20 or 20-something and they'd like to, you know, they'd want to encourage them or tell them about this. It's a brilliant opportunity to be trained in leadership, how to disciple people. You get, a, you get someone who's discipling you 
I think the training, in my opinion, is kind of world class and um, place them in teams in great churches and they get to experience God on mission, which I think is a wonderful thing. Yeah, mate, it's such good news. And, you know, I, I love the, the, the fact that it's called pays. It's a Greek word which means a, a young servant of a king, basically. And, and really, that's what we're, we're meant to be. We're, we're meant to be servants uh, of the king. We're yeah. meant to honor him. You know, you know, Jesus said, anyone who comes after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Uh, it's uh, it's not really the best marketing tool, you know, that you've got to deny yourself. <laughs> but it's it's the way of the kingdom, it's, isn't it? It's true. And you're right. It's not on the surface. It's not a great marketing tool. However, I found a much greater response when teaching teenagers that Jesus came to recruit them than I used to when I said Jesus came to rescue you. And I've got stories about that. But and so I would encourage people to, to really be thinking through how they portray the gospel, even if it's, you know, one of your listeners with their family members or their friends or their colleagues at work. Um, on the face of it, like you say, you know, deny yourself, pick up your cross. But actually, I think people want to make a difference to the world. I think God has placed eternity in our hearts. I think that there's, a, there's something in us that know that instinctively know we're made for something bigger than we have. And I think when we simply preach, Jesus came to rescue you to make your life better and, you know, so you don't do drugs and, and, and that's fine. But when we give people the big picture, I found in my life at least people respond to that because I think it's, it's even more of the truth, so it's even more compelling. Today we're chatting with Paul Gibbs. He's the founder of the Pays Movement around the world. He's a pastor, an author. You've released a whole bunch of books uh, over the years. What's your latest one that, that you brought out with you the other day when you were in Australia? Oh, I can't remember. Um, um, well, the latest book is a book called The Shapes Test, which is actually um, a secular book, actually. It helps, but it's biblical principles. It's how to build something good together. So obviously with the disconnection of people throughout covid um, I wanted to, to, to write a book. It's got, it's got a very simple personality test that is free, so people can go online to theshapestest.com, do the personality test. If you get the book, it helps them figure out, understand themselves, but more, not just that, understand others and make themselves understood in order to build something good together. Um, so that's the first secular book I've written, but most of my books are more about uh, the kingdom of God, um, discipleship. So one of the books is called Kingdom Principles, and it talks about how we align ourselves to God's purposes, how we think more, more how he thinks as opposed to think just how we think with our Western mindset and kind of fit Christianity somehow into that. So, yeah, align ourselves to the kingdom of God. But, yeah, all my books are on Amazon, so people can go and take a look if they're interested. Fantastic. Well, I was so inspired to meet you recently, and I know our church was blessed, and you spoke at a, a citywide leaders gathering I'm a part of, and all the pastors and leaders that were there were so impacted. Um, we love your heart for the kingdom and your heart to raise up a young generation of uh, people who are sold out for Jesus, uh, recruits uh, for Jesus. And uh, it's a wonderful ministry. So if people want to find out more, the website is paysmovement.com. So pays is P-A-I-S, paysmovement.com. Uh, they're also on social media, and you can search up Paul Gibbs to find out more info. Mate, it's been awesome catching up with you today, Paul. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks so much, Matt. Bless you. Thank you. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. There you'll also find links to all of our social media channels, and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. 
History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater. And my challenge to you now is to go and make history. Matt Prater's latest book is now available. History Makers, Devotions, Downloads and Dad Jokes. It will take you on a journey through God's Word and will hopefully give you a few laughs along the way. It's just $15 plus postage. Order now at historymakersradio.com. Discounts available for bulk orders. The heart behind this book is to challenge people to get into the habit of daily devotions with Jesus. Find out more at historymakersradio.com. Station sponsor.